Yo's and Spurs Cast, episode 551. My name is Paul Garcia and I am the host of Spurs Cast. Joining me on this episode is Project Spurs' Colin Reed. Colin, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. You know, you and I are finally getting together to, to record this episode. It's been a while. I know Spurs Cast listeners, actually, I was looking at the dates, almost been like two, two or three weeks since we've last uh, recorded an episode as far as Project Spurs goes. And, um, you know, obviously it's that time of the year. It's the, it's the off season. So there's a lot, there's not a lot going on with the Spurs. Uh, just a little bit of news coming here and there. Uh, obviously Coach Pop and Derek White and a lot of the other international players are really busy with their international teams, you know, getting ready for the FIBA World Cup. But aside from that, the NBA has been really dead, especially on the Spurs' end. Uh, but we are here to kind of record, I mean, to talk about some different topics, Colin, that have happened, uh, since I last recorded. The first big thing I want to really address is the schedule that, that was, that was released recently. Um, so, so, you know, I, I asked you, to go through the schedule, kind of like how we did last year. We, we recorded a similar episode last year, and, and we wanted to kind of pinpoint where, where we thought that their record would be. So let's first begin with um, some of the projections that have where they have the Spurs right now. Um, you know, when you look at different math models, looking like that ESPN's real plus minus statistics, um, basketball index, looking at uh, uh, 538, they have the Spurs very low. When you just look at the math, you know, you're not, you're not taking into account coaching, you know, experience, you know, the leap that DeJounte should make, that – that uh, Lonnie Walker should make those kind of players, Derek White. When you just look at the, the math, this Spurs team is not projected to be very good. They're supposed to win only 37 to like 39.6 games, which would be the 11th seed. So, so the math projections have them missing the playoffs. When you go to Las Vegas, they don't want to lose money. They know the Spurs aren't that bad, 39-win 39, oh, 39 team. So, so they're, they've raised their wins a little bit more than that. So most Vegas sites have them at 45 0.5 wins to about 46 and a half. You know, just barely a notch below where they finished last year with 47 wins. Uh, and in those Vegas projections, they are slated to make the playoffs right now uh, in the seventh, eighth seed is where they're hovering out west. So, um, you know, I asked you to go through the schedule. So so what did you think? After going through the schedule, what, where do you think that your projections have them going? Finishing. So this this season in particular presents some challenges with how much change in the offseason and then also how much is going to change with the Spurs this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that integrating DeJounte back into the system is going to change a lot on both ends of the floor. Um, but I, I think it's going to be, and I think we talked about this last time, someone had mentioned this uh, somewhere, but I think it, it makes sense that they might be a team with a similar or worse record but like a better ceiling. I think that was McDonald or Mike yeah. Finger, one of those two guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think it, it might that might actually be the case, especially with some of these stretches that they have, which I know is something we're going to talk about. It seems like they have okay a couple of a couple of easy ones, and then they'll have like two or three real tough ones in a row. It like it's just hard to see like a big chunk where they can get a lot of momentum. So like I'm still feeling maybe that like 46, 47 low end to like 51, 52 high end wins. Um, and I know that's like a range, which is kind of lame, but <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that's okay. That's fine. Uh, that's kind of where I'm going to be uh, when I talk to you about mine. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I went through this and I had, I had, um, I would call it old Spurs bias where I, I was so used to this team, you know, usually with, with, with Timmy, Tony, Amanu, and, you know, those old coach pop teams to just easily, you know, mop the floor of those easy teams out East and also the, the bad 500 teams. So when I first went through the projection, should I say, I finished up at, at a 57 and 25. I was like, what? Come on. How is Vegas saying they're the eighth seed? And, and, you know, these mad things say they're not in the playoffs. And again, it was that old bias of, I just assume the Spurs are going to beat these bad teams in the East, uh, some of those bad teams in the West. So then I was like, no, no, I need to go back to see what happened last season. And sure enough, they really struggled last season against those bad teams. Um, they lost 15 games 
um, to those to those non to, to those below 500 teams last year, which was the the uh, second to last out west in terms of Western Conference playoff teams. The only team worse than that that finished against bad teams was the Oklahoma City Thunder, who lost 17 games to bad teams. So then. You know, knowing that, I, I I based my projections a little bit differently, and I said, okay, they're going to lose some games, maybe to, a, a game to Phoenix, so they're going to lose a game to, um, you know, uh, um, I was looking at like somebody like Minnesota, they might they might lose two games, just teams like that, you know. And so as I went through that, or even like out east, like Orlando, they're going to split, maybe uh, Indiana, they're going to split some of those teams. And so after I did that, I ended up coming out still though really high in my opinion at fifty and thirty two. Mm-hmm. So. So again, I, 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 I finished with them. I didn't think that would happen just because of where, where Vegas is putting them and those mat sites, but I ended up finishing at 50 and 32. So, I mean, that's kind of where my number's at. I, I do, I, I know that I put that stat out on Twitter, um, a few, few, few days ago about, you know, how they lost 15 games and they, they, they didn't let, used to lose that many games in the past. And people were like, well, that's because DeJounte's missing. You know, he's in a, and they're more complete now. Everyone's in year two now with DeRozan and all these different other guys. So I think I will give the Spurs the benefit of doubt there. I, I do have more confidence in them this year, barring injury, that they're going to beat some of those bad teams that they lost to last year, like Knicks, like Chicago, you know, all those different types of teams. I think they're going to really do well against those teams. And even if they, they, they do terrible against the really good teams like the Clippers or the Jazz or even like the Lakers, I think they're still going to be okay and, and, and be comfortable in the playoffs while, in my projections, getting to 50 wins. Uh, what do you think about that in terms of them being better this year at beating the bad teams? You know, I think that they will have more cons- – I think really it it comes down a lot to health. And that was something that is also – this is not a new idea – that um, last year, last season, when Derek White was healthy, they were a much better team. And when he was either injured or coming back from injury, they were much worse. And so I think that that's going to be one of those things like how quickly will DeJounte come back? Sometimes those like injuries, especially with someone so predicated on athleticism – can take a while to really get going. Um, are, are they going to have another injury with one of the other big guys? Yeah. So I, I think that if the team that they have on paper plays how they can, then I think that they will be much better against those bad teams. I just think those little like hidden weird things happen every season, and that's how you get, you know, maybe they play the the Suns and see they play in Mexico, right? Like that's yeah, they play such, Mexico. Yeah. Such like a, a game that's like so out of the element in terms of like a different um, arena, a different place, you know, you're flying to a different country and, and little games like that where it's, and I think the Suns actually beat them the last time. They yeah, they did. They, so they it's, won that game. Yeah. yeah. It, it, those games become more of a toss up just because of how different it is uh, of an environment in terms of just flying to a new place, kind of not being as used to, I think that a lot of these athletes are very used to routine. And so I, I think a lot of little things like that could trip them up. I think as I looked at the schedule and I went through it um, in terms of my projections, I think that we're actually going to see more streaks, uh, mm-hmm. a, a lot more winning streaks, I think, in my opinion, if they can just take care of business at home against even some of the good teams. And then I also see, you know, that really the biggest worst part of their schedule is that road trip. I mean, the rodeo mm-hmm. road trip is, we thought last year, I think they won what, one game last year. Right, if right. I look, yeah, it's going to, it's bad. I mean, right. I think they might get two actually when we get into that. But uh, outside of that stretch, I, I don't see it too, too, uh, too, too growing. I know the end of the year is really tough. It's just that they have a lot more, at least they're at home for those games, but they have a bunch of like almost every night is like almost like a playoff level team. Um, so let's kind of get into the schedule here. Uh, uh, what kind of, what were some of those, those dates that popped out to you? Um, stretches maybe. Uh, I, I'm looking right now early on at, at late November. They have a pretty good stretch where they're like at home. They have a lot of home games where they have like Minnesota, the Clippers, um, at Detroit, Houston, Sacramento, Cleveland, Phoenix, and then the Mexico game you mentioned at Phoenix. So I feel like, 
you know, outside of the Clippers game in Houston, those are pretty pretty easy wins for the Spurs. So they could easily, you know, put put a good winning stretch together there from about late November to about uh, mid December. Um, before we get to the to the flip to twenty twenty, what do you think? Uh, do you see what do you see from October to December? What, what kind of stretches? Right, yeah, and so I guess that's where it's like so hard to determine mm-hmm. now because like even even in that stretch. Uh, you have the Lakers, who who knows what they'll be, <laughs> really, uh, how strong they'll be. And then Sacramento, who was so close to breaking through last year. Yeah. Like, if their young guys get any better, they could. So, like, that could be, like, a 5-2 and two stretch or, like, a 3-4 and four stretch. Yeah, for right? sure. So, and yeah, that's, that's how I see. The two Milwaukee games back-to-back is kind of brutal. Uh, you oh, yeah. have, they're in, in Boston, those three games all in a row, kind of. Uh, and so, one's in Milwaukee. Then in San Antonio, then in Boston, then in so that's a kind of brutal road stretch there too because they're kind of going back and forth. So that that stretch from oh that I guess is in 2020. I was looking at that half of it, <laughs> but um, really it's it just the thing that pops out to me is it's like okay they have two or three easy games in a row and then this like very challenging game and and so I do see like what you're saying maybe a couple more easy games in a row that lets them kind of have these streaks. But as soon as they have momentum, it's like oh here's Houston or. Oh, here's the Clippers again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And like, like, you know, like I was looking at my two projections, my really high projection where I went too far when saying 57 wins. By, by the time we get to New Year's, I have them at, at 24 8 on that one. But then on my more realistic projection, they're at 21 and 11, which mm-hmm. isn't bad, you know, to be, right. to be there, uh, at, at, at the time of New Year's. Now let's look more toward the 2020 calendar when it flips to January. Um, again, you mentioned those two Milwaukee games, uh, in early January. Uh, and then you got some, some pretty, you know, f- for me, I think I had a tough time. When, when, when rating whether or not they're going to beat some of these teams is the Eastern Conference teams. I don't have a lot of confidence right now in Boston, in, in, uh, even Philly. I feel like I took a step back with Jimmy Butler gone in Miami. You know, I know they got Jimmy Butler, but you know, they're just, I don't know what kind of team they are. So a lot of those old Eastern Conference teams from last year, like Toronto, you know, would it easily, I could, I would have picked them, uh, in a game over San Antonio, even though San Antonio blew them out here in San Antonio. Uh, a lot of those Eastern Conference teams I don't have a lot of confidence in right now. So so right now, just to be safe, I've split a lot of those games for the Spurs, but I could easily see San Antonio winning both of them uh, on the road and, and in San Antonio. I think the only one that I think that I would still take Milwaukee over the Spurs is, I mean, over the, the, only, the only one where I would take the opponent over the Spurs in the East is Milwaukee. I think that's the one team San Antonio is not quite ready for. But they did beat them last year, if I recall, here here in right. San Antonio. And, so. and the game in Milwaukee was really close. Yeah, too. that's right. That's right. The Spurs almost won that one. They almost made a comeback. So outside of Milwaukee, I really don't have a lot of confidence in these Eastern Conference teams. And then I guess for the West, you're right. Um, you know, I was looking at uh, – there's just a lot – I just feel like the, the bottom got a little bit worse. Like Phoenix, I don't see very good. Um, looking at uh, uh, Minnesota, I'm not very high on. I think I think the Spurs can go 3-1 and one against them, win both games here in San Antonio, and then, and then win at least one on the road. Uh, Memphis, I think, you know, if they're playing to their level of Spurs, I still think they should, they should be able to sweep Memphis in, in either location. Uh, same thing for OKC. I don't have a lot of confidence right now in that Thunder team, that roster that they put together. So I could see the Spurs getting all four of those games. And then, you know, the heavy, even like something like Portland, I feel like they're, they're, they got a little bit worse defensively. I don't have as much confidence. Uh, if for me, it's more still on location, you know, where is that game being played? If it's in San Antonio, I'm taking the Spurs. If it's in Portland, I'm taking them. Um, you know, who, what, what are some, some matchups you see? Yeah. So, um, we talked about that stretch and I kind of went into it a little bit earlier. But even that East stretch, uh, and, and I had mentioned this earlier, where you're at Milwaukee, in San Antonio, at Boston, back in Memphis, at Toronto, back in Miami, and all of those are one game apart, or one one rest day, mm-hmm. except for Miami. 
And so those are one of those games where, like, on paper it might look like, oh, they might be better than this Toronto team without Kawhi. But, like, after a stretch like that, they might be more vulnerable. Kind of yeah, thing. for sure. So and it's one of those things where Oklahoma City, just because of all the trades they made this summer, like, seems like a slam dunk, like, easy win kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. But you could also see... Like, if you had to imagine, how could OKC beat the Spurs? And you're like, okay, well, if the mid-range isn't falling, and Chris Paul and Gallinari are just playing well, like, you know? So you could see the pass of some of these bad teams. I think that's the thing is, this year, like, you could make the case for a lot of these teams. Like, some of them, you you know that the Spurs, uh, if they lose those games, it'd be a huge disappointment, like the Charlottes or whatever. Yeah, oh yeah, I have them sweeping Charlotte. That's just another team that I think should be easy wins for them. Yeah, but you can also see, like, some of these sub-500 teams, how they could get the wins. Yeah, for sure. Um, and those, both of those Oklahoma City games in that rodeo road trip are going to be like absolutely vital because those might be the only <laughs> two wins. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So let, let's get into that because that's actually what I was about to bring up. So this is, you know, on my schedule, I colored, you know, I highlighted some, some some areas where I think they could put a winning streak together, and then in blue, I highlighted it where I think they're going to go cold and they're going to have a long losing streak. And sure enough, I came out with that that um, that rodeo road trip. I mean, you go at the Clippers on a Monday, the next night you're in at the Lakers. Uh, on Thursday, t- a day later, you're—I mean, two days later—you're at Portland. Then on Saturday that that week, you're at Sacramento, um, and then you know you're at Denver, you're at OKC. That's one where we talk about that you think that they can win. They go on the break of the of the All Star break. Then all of a sudden they win. I think that they're going to lose at Utah, and then you, you know they finish it up at OKC on a Sunday. So so I do see that you know those two OKC games on my calendar right now are the only two ones that they're winning. Uh, uh, what do you have in mind? So is that kind of what you, you still think? Yeah, those two OKC games. I mean, Sacramento could be one, but yeah. like I said, I think that their young talent just looked so good last year. I think that their style especially plays really well at home. That kind of like just run, run, run. Especially when the Spurs are on a road trip, they're gonna that's going to be their fourth game of the road trip. So yeah. there's a lot of little things like that that are, I think, I mean, that guy could, that's the other one that you look at and think the most. Uh, but I, I yeah, it's, it's a two or three win rodeo road trip. And, and I'm with you on Sacramento. Just to be safe, I basically gave each team the, um, the advantage. So basically I said the Spurs win two at home and the Kings win two at home. So I think that's kind of where it's going to play out. I, I do like that Sacramento team. Uh, and then, you know, as you get to the end of the year from, from late March all the way through April, you know, th- they have a lot of home games, you know, I noticed. I know they have a little mini road, another road trip there and it's pretty brutal as well at Utah. At Minnesota, at Denver, at Golden State, at Sacramento in late March. <laughs> That's pretty bad. I mean, outside of the Minnesota game, I, I think a lot of those other ones might, might be losses. But then aside from that, from, from, um, from April, basically that whole month, they, they, they do have almost all their games at home except for two. But again, look at these teams that are playing. These could be teams in the playoff on Golden State, New Orleans, Sacramento, Houston, Philly, uh, Houston, Indiana, New Orleans. That's just tough. I mean, there's like no easy games. Actually, I want to see when's the last time they're going to probably have an easy game. Oh, I see March 20th against Chicago. So really, from March 20th on, it's going to be tough for them, uh, depending, you know, regardless of location. Yeah, and that's going to be one of those things where being realistic, just like the last two seasons, where we're looking at, um, okay, how many games do the Spurs need to win and what do the other teams need to do for the Spurs to get this theater to even make it to the playoffs? Yeah. And so every game is going to be, like, the past two seasons, they had the benefit of kind of some fluff at the end of their schedule, yeah. and they won't this time. So. If they don't build up like a pretty good buffer, like they could be teetering right on the edge when it comes to it. And you know, like you look at, you, you try to look at where they can get wins there. That Indiana team has Brogdon, and by that point, they'll have uh, Oladipo back. Like that could be a really tough game. Yeah, in, I forgot they got Brogdon. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, Indiana's gonna be good. Never mind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, let me make sure I got. The, I gave the Spurs a, a loss there. 
Uh, yeah, okay, okay. I had them going one yeah. and one against Indiana. So that, that, one, that one could be a really tough game. And then New Orleans, who knows who they're going to... So this is, it's just going to be an interesting in-stretch. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, if New Orleans just say that they do follow the playoff hunt early, well, then maybe those games get easier. Or Sacramento, you know, those kind of teams. Right. So, if, so if any of those teams do start falling apart... Well, then maybe it does that, that schedule does seem a little bit easier. But right now, that looks pretty brutal to end the month, um, basically, uh, after late March. So, yeah, so, so Spurs guess that's kind of where our projections are. Colin has them from, like, low 46 to high 52. I have them, right now, just going through the schedule, I'm, I'll be more realistic. I'm, I'm saying 50 and 32. I think I, I think that's way too high still. But that's just kind of what I came out with. And, again, it's probably that bias of I think the Spurs will beat the bad teams and not lose 15 games like last year. Uh, but you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what the um, you know year two of a lot of these players and 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 Dejounte back and all those other different factors. Okay, so now, Colin, um, you know, like I mentioned, it's been a while since I've recorded a Spurs cast, so there's been a lot, uh, a bunch of different small news topics. Nothing's very really major, but I kind of want to go through. So we're just going to kind of go around the uh, around the Spurs league, should I say, and, and talk about what's going on here. So back on August 11th, um, Dejounte Murray put out a tweet saying that he had been cleared by his doctors and the Spurs staff. So now he's so that's basically telling us that now he's he's able to go 100. percent He's ready to go on training camp. What do you think about that news? You know, I think obviously that's uh, huge for the Spurs. I think that to have kind of about a month, month and a half before training camp to like really uh, kind of go all out is is important so that he can kind of ramp it up. He, you know, because I think that if, if you're ramping it up in training camp, you're already behind. Yeah. Um, and so kind of the fact that he has this time might help mitigate some of that. Um so I think obviously that's real good news to hear, and hopefully they, because uh, I feel like, and I'm not sure if this is true, but it feels like the return from injury is kind of the time when you're most susceptible to be yeah. injured again. So hopefully all that goes smoothly and well, and that there's not some other crazy uh, thing happening. But I think that you know they need him, especially on the defensive end. For sure. Um, I just the more I think about this team, especially like the proposed starting lineup, and I guess this is a similar topic, but maybe slightly off. I'm not just trying to. See what happens to their offense. I guess yeah. their defense looks amazing, but I, I am a little bit like: Do you take out Derek White and put Forbes in there just for some shooting? Because I just if if it is um, Murray, White, DeRozan, Aldridge, and Pirtle, like I just where is the shooting? In that <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Oof, yeah. So um, no, no, I, I agree with you 100. percent That's why I think that it's so critical that he's 100 percent to start the start training camp and preseason because I think that's what Pop needs to experiment with them on those first few weeks of the season is. You know, does this work, Murray and White together? And, you know, should I put LaMarcus at the five or should I bring back Pirtle? Um, who's going to start at the three? Is it going to be DeRozan? Is it going to be a DeMari Carroll? Do I move DeRozan down to a two? You know, all those kind of different factors. And it's good that, again, they have Murray there 100% now. You can just plug him in. Although, I just know Pop is very safe, you know, when, when players come back to from injury, you know, especially catastrophic injuries like that. So I do see him... Um, you know, pulling him out at times, you know, when, when fans maybe don't want to see that happen, just again, be, be very, uh, uh, very safe with his minutes. I was, uh, I got, I got asked a question on, on those new Q and A's we're doing for the, for the premium members. And one of the questions was, you know, how much time do you anticipate DeJounte having? And, uh, I, I basically said 24 minutes a night. And the reason why it was so safe and it's such a small number is because if we go back to two years ago when he made the all defensive second team, he was only playing 22 minutes a night then. Mm. And so, you know, coming off an injury, I just think Pop's going to be way more conservative with him with his minutes and just making sure he's okay and not rushing it back. We saw him do that with Rudy Gay a few years ago when Rudy had signed in San Antonio. Uh, so, so I definitely think it's going to be a smaller, it's going to be less than 30 minutes. Um, I think I, John Schumann of NBA.com had said he thinks 25 minutes a night. So I think it's something very low. I don't think it's going to be, uh, something too, too exhausting for DeJounte. But, um, yeah, so he'll be coming back. It looks like he's 100%. Next player let's talk about is, is his backcourt teammate, uh, Derek White. 
He's uh, playing with Australia. I mean, not with Australia. He's in Australia <laughs> right. playing with Team USA. So Derek got promoted up to the um, up to the, the national team. He's still competing for a spot. So right now, as of right now that you and I are recording this call, and it's a, it's a Wednesday evening, Derek is still um, you know one of those players in contention for a spot. Uh, there's 13 players left, and he has a really good chance of making this roster right now, just because there's not there's 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 really not a lot of guards left. There's only Kemba who starts, uh, Donovan Mitchell who starts, and then Marcus Smart is barely coming back from an injury, and then you got Derek White. That's it. Four guards, guys who can kind of create, have the ball in their hands. Uh, and, and, you know, especially like if one of those guys gets in foul trouble or if there's some sort of injury, I mean, that's all you have left after De'Aaron Fox left. So I think that that's very, that, that there's a good chance that, that Derek gets that spot. Uh, the other players on there, some wings are Harrison Barnes, uh, Jalen Brown, Joe Harris, Chris Middleton, and, uh, Jason Tatum. The bigs left are Kyle Kuzma, Brooke Lopez, um, Mason Plumley, and Miles Turner. So I think that if they're going to have to make a cut, I, I actually do think it's going to be one of those wings. I think there's five wings right now. So I think that it would, might be something like like Joe Harris would be the player, I think. What do you think about Derek's chances of making the final squad? So, uh, and I think that's probably how they're going to look at it more is in terms of positional need. Yeah. But when I was just listening to it and thinking, like, which what player could be cut in front of uh, Derek White, I think the name that really stuck out to me was Mason Plumley Because mm. a lot of those wings, I think, are actually very good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, me too, yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> Um, it's, it's a hard job to maybe cut one of those guys because it sounds like their wing depth is the best part about this USA team right yeah. now. So I, that'll be interesting though, just because that is also their deepest position. So, uh, but one of the things that I was really thinking of, I, I do think he has a good chance just by hearing what you're talking about. I think that, um, obviously different league of players, but I do think that playing with Team USA can be like really vital for some players. Yeah. Uh, I, the last time they did this FIBA World Cup was the, like, right before the season that, like, Steph and James Harden like completely like became like new players yeah. and that's not going to be what happens with Eric White but I think that sometimes that experience playing in different situations international ball kind of just I think that that gives you a different level of experience and he was already someone that kind of had that leadership on the court and that yeah. calm on the court I think it's just I think that he will be better next season because of this experience and I think that like you said it looks like he he will be one of the uh, final 12 members. Yeah, so we'll see if he gets picked. Um, the reason why I had said I, I, I think Mason's a, a little bit safer is just because of Serbia. Mm. They have Boban, they have uh, Nikola Jokic, so I think that's why the, the U.S. got a bunch of big guys just in case, because that could be one of the teams that they're going to play uh, uh, there in the FIBA World Cup. But we'll see what happens, you know, if Derek White uh, makes the final squad or not. Uh, next topic, Colin, is uh, Tony Parker. You know, it was announced on um, that he's going to be having his jersey retired on November 11th against the Grizzlies. Uh, he'll be the tenth spur to have his jersey uh, retired up in the rafters. What, what did you think about that news? You know, it was um, it was kind of funny that we kind of knew this was coming. I, it was yeah. at uh, the uh, Ginobili retirement. Yeah, when Sean Elliott kind of spoiled yeah. it, and it was like, hey, he's not even retired yet. Like they can't retire his jersey if he's not retired. Um, and sure enough, that was yeah. exactly what happened. But. You know, and then once he did retire, it was, you know, there was no way that they weren't going to retire. Yeah, crazy. so that was just... So, I think um, I was a little bit surprised, and some of the people I was talking to were a little surprised at how early in the season it is. You know, like, uh, Duncan's was, like, in the middle of December, and yeah, yeah. Nobley's was, like, in the second half of the season. So mm -hmm. November is pretty early, but I don't know if there's really any rhyme or reason to that. It's just, yeah, I'm not sure, too, yeah. Maybe he has, you know, he has a lot, a lot of different other business ventures. He has, right. he's the, he's, I think he's the team owner or the part owner of Osfeld, that, that French team over there, the basketball team. So, so maybe he has some other commitments or maybe Ginobili or Duncan couldn't be there for the speech or, or Duncan has to be there now. He's the coach. Right. <laughs> so anyway, that's so weird saying that about Tim, that he's now, that he has to be there every day. So anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know why. I mean, 
for me, it's just get it over with. Just you know, just have it. So it'll right. be fun. You know, that's always those are always fun nights to have those those memories and everybody go down that that, that road uh, with all the players and coaches and everything. Uh, next thing is um, the Spurs added a 19th player to their training camp roster. They added a player who went undrafted named Dalton Holmes. Uh, he's undrafted from Division II, uh, Point Loma Nazarene. Uh, he was the player of the year in Division II. He's a 6'8 forward. Um, you know, I, you know. obviously, I'm, I'll be honest. I don't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't know a lot about him. I didn't, you know, Ben's usually our guy for these kind of things. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I don't see this guy cracking the – you know, I think he's a, he's a safe end by Maybe you put him in Austin if he gets cut, but I, I don't think he's going to make the roster. Do you agree there? Right, yeah. I think, you know, especially um, just kind of with – how their roster is constructed right now. I don't think their training camp invites are like potential roster winning spots right now. For sure. Especially with how many young guys they have on the roster that will be competing for minutes. Yeah. So I, I do think it's one of those things where bringing in a player to your training camp is like an even better environment to scout them in, maybe get them into your G League system. So I think there are benefits to it. I just don't think it's a on-the-court player this season type of benefit yeah and one name i saw last night you know again we're recording this on wednesday so i had seen this yesterday tuesday evening was that jeff ledbetter their guy from summer league who played in austin also uh he's considered I mean, he was being considered for that last 20th spot so they do have one spot open we don't know who they're going to fill it with yet uh but jeff ledbetter was the uh, the name that popped up uh, most recently according to the rumor right now um, so just a few final reminders for colin and i close out this episode first cast listeners um, make sure you're visiting projectspurs.com um, over there, uh, Ben Bornstein has been writing uh, his lottery watch pieces. So, so it's like the draft prospects, but instead Ben's looking at the lottery. Now I know the Spurs, like Colin and I talked about, aren't expected to be in the lottery. But you know, just in case you know you know something happens and, and they do end up in the lottery, um, or maybe they make a trade and they get a lottery pick this coming season. Well, then Ben wants to have all your bases covered there, so he does scout some lottery players um, early on. So, so two of the first ones that he has on there. Um, are R.J. Hampton, those players, and also Cole Anthony. And then he had just put up another one before Colin and I had to record another player. So uh, you'll have to check ProjectSpurs.com for that. Uh, and then over on Project Spurs Premium, um, our, new, our new premium premium site, um, you can uh, – I, I had I had written a, a, a updated a Q&A responses. So, so Spurs, cast, I mean, uh, Spurs fans on Twitter had asked me a bunch of questions, and I, and I, and I got around to, to answering those, put a lot of different stats and metrics and stuff in there. If you want to check out those, if you're a Project Spurs Premium member – can sign up for five dollars now uh, per month, and then also I updated the win projections, which I'm doing weekly. So I updated the Vegas ones and also those math sites that I referenced earlier. So they have the win projections as of most recent for the Spurs, and also uh, where they're expected to finish uh, out in the Western Conference race. So uh, for Colin Reed, you know, if you want to follow him on Twitter and follow his work, he's at Colin Reed PS, um, and then I'm Paul Garcia at Paul Garcia NBA. Uh, thank you to to Joe Garcia and and Michael DeLeon as well for helping us uh, mix and edit this episode. So uh, thank you. Have a great day. If you want to expand your basketball knowledge, I really recommend B-Ball Index. This company has different spreadsheets and data resources that are really, really help in, in terms of looking at different current NBA players, uh, players coming in from college, players coming in from overseas. They have just a bunch of different models and, and data sets that you can use that I've been using in my writing. And, and on this podcast, the Spurs cast, uh, their website is www.bball.com hyphen index.com again bball hyphen index.com and when you go on there and you sign up for their data and tools package they're going to give you 15 percent off your first month subscription it's only five dollars a month for the for the subscription each month uh really worth it in my opinion and if you got to use the promo code for that deal spurscast again the promo code for this deal is spurscast again the website is bball hyphen index.com promo code spurscast 